At forest I was afraid, now I'm petrified. Our spooktacular continues this week on The Hapless Heroes. I uh, wrap him, swaddle him in the witch panties. Hello, and welcome back to part two of our spooktacular special 2020. Ah, 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 ah. One, ah, ah. Two, ah, ah, ah. That's it, just two. Six (laughs) hapless heroes, ah, 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 ah. Just five heroes and one DM. (laughs) So, my name is Phil. Uh, and I will be your disturbing DM for this evening. Let's start by introducing our cast around to my left this time, starting with Nicole as Boris the Butcher. Hello, guys. We have Mike playing Murph Eastlaw. Oh, I'm so scared. We have John playing Dr. Doodoo. What are those things doing? Francesco as Tabi Asumat. I'm quite startled. And rounding out our party, we have Dave playing the infallible Zero. Good evening. One of these days I'm going to come up with something proper and it's going to actually... No, but that fit with the, you know, infallible comment. So you're good. (laughs) I thought I'd get a raise out of there. (laughs) Yeah, but I did like... I, I, you know, my brain tried to come up with something to capitalize, and after two seconds, I'm like, no, got nothing. Move on. I came up with hi, guys, so, you know. <laughs> right, so where we left off, you were on your way to High Rock when a disturbing package had uh, arrived on your ship, and you were given another quest. You interns uh, gladly accepted, uh, as it was about halfway on your journey, and uh, not a big... Um, distraction from your main quest. But you find yourselves on the dark volcanic island of Ouija on the southern cape of Cronessus, approaching what you believe to be a location or lair of an agent of Vecna. You have hiked through this petrified forest out to a clearing where you can see smoldering piles of bodies being attended to by small figures wearing tattered black cloaks who have tails. And you see piles of stone rubble and ruins in this clearing, um, most of them barely resembling structures at all. But there's about five of these smoldering pyres uh, with, with thick black smoke rising into the air, and behind it you can see the peak of Ouija. Uh, can we get a marching order? I know Dr. Dudu was doing some aerial reconnaissance, and I believe Boris 
was uh, scouting ahead for the party along the forest path you're on. Zero will be at uh, main point. Yeah, okay. Tabby will be probably at the forest's edge. Mm-hmm. Like, before the clearing. Yep. Murph? So you're entering from the south. Uh, you can see it is a narrow, ten-foot-wide pathway, but it opens up to a rather large hillside clearing. And uh, those rings, those oblong rings, uh, indicate an elevation change going up to the side. Dudu, where are you at? Uh, Dudu would be doing his laps, but when he sees that there is living creatures, <clears throat> he would fly down to the group and be on ground level, probably closest to zero as he can be. Okay. Um, roll me a stealth check as you do. It is nighttime. And uh, you are a, you know, a creature of the air. So it's really more or less if you hit any of the trees on your way in, or if perhaps um, you were making broad sweeping motions where you might be more easily spotted. Right, it's a 21. Oh, very good. Okay. <laughs> and we have Horus. Horus? would have pulled herself into the trees to the left when she first kind of entered the clearing and like climbed into them to try to get like a slightly higher view to try to see okay. what's going on. Okay, uh, and you could roll me a stealth check as well as you are climbing these trees. Cool. I'm gonna roll some perception. 27. Okay, very good. So you can see uh, maybe about 10 or so of these small figures. Um, they seem to be scurrying and, and trying to pile these bodies. Um, the bodies already are deceased, you know, they're corpses, uh, but they don't appear to be odd in any other way. Um, they're just piling these things up onto the pyres and uh, none of them seem to have noticed you yet. Am I the only one that can see that? No, anybody who would be in the clearing, um, you are kind of tucked into the trees and downhill. Um, oddly enough, the uh, the wind seems rather calm here, so you're not worried about being upwind. How, how many of these cloaked figures would you say we could probably see from from the, like the edge here? Well, uh, they seem to be moving from a location or several locations and dragging these bodies out to the pyres. Uh, there are five of them. Uh, with the four that are closest to you, uh, two on each side, you can see uh, roughly two or three at each of them, okay. uh, poking and, they and all prodding have with pieces of lumber. They all have tails. Yeah. Um, and they appear to be almost uh, like a reptilian type tail. Hmm. Um, but they are short. I mean, we're looking For those of us who have seen kobolds before, do they resemble kobolds? You believe they resemble the same stature and movement of kobolds. You cannot see their faces. They're shrouded and they are they're moving with a little bit more of a uh, an affected kind of stature. They seem to be a little more hunched over 
their stride is a little bit more of like a claw, almost walking on all fours. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Quinn here and I'm gonna cast invisibility on myself. Okay. And I'm gonna sneak up to the pyre um, to like the, the closest one to our left. Okay. So that's like towards like you know like the west. Right. Um, um just a, a little stealth check to see if you're stepping on branches or anything like that. Absolutely. Um, I can tell you very much that I'm not with a 25, which is the lowest okay. I can roll on stealth because I rolled a five and that became a 10. Okay. Yeah, so you can see two of them at this pyre. One of them's trying to drag this corpse and roll it over while the other one has a piece of timber that it's using to like pry it up onto the fire and, and almost stoke it. Uh, it smells rancid. Are they, com- and, uh, are they communicating with each other at all or no? Um, you can hear them speaking. Uh, do you speak? <laughs> They're not speaking common. Okay. Um, but what a, you do me, hear is more like... Give me a language. What are they, what are they speaking? Uh, okay. <laughs> um, they're speaking giant. Yep, I don't speak that. Okay. Um, it, it's rather strange, and you can tell it's with a heavy cobalt accent. Uh, <laughs> it has more of a grumbling sense to it. Um, and, you know, he's pointing at areas of the fire for the other one to stoke. And indeed, you see the light flash across uh, one of their faces, and it looks like a cobalt that has had soot or something black streaked all over its face and all over its hands and arms. You can't quite tell if it's just soot from the corpses or something that's actually pigmented his skin. Okay. Um, Next plan of action would be to actually... uh, I don't want to go too far, but, you know, if I know that I'm being quiet... Maybe just make my way up the hill slightly to where some of the rocks are and see if I can kind of see around or up to see if there's anything else maybe towards the center, like in these ruined structures. Yes. Um, if you were heading uh, sort of kind strafing of, um, around um, the side um, directly I'm north. I'm saying almost due north of that pyre, yeah. Okay. Yes, you can get uh, a little bit closer and you can indeed see like there is no grass here in the clearing. All you have is rubble and boulders. Um, You can see some parts that resemble structures, but there's commotion at each one of these fires. Um, Towards the back, I guess the north, the furthest north of this space, uh, at the far end you can see a crescent shape, which is one of the uh, last surviving walls of whatever previous structure used to be here. And uh, you can see a large shadow, very large. Uh, Being cast from one of the other pyres, you can see the shadow cast on the stones and the boulders. And uh, as you're moving up, you see a big black hand reach out onto the edge of this wall. And he's about, um, let's see, about 75, 80 feet away from you Mm -hmm. to the north. And uh, this giant sits up from behind that little space, that that little crescent wall he was sitting in there. And you see him stand up tall, almost 25 feet tall. And you know 
giants. You've seen cloud giants. You've seen, you know, hill giants or, or even uh, stone giants. This doesn't look like that. It's bald. Its skin is black. It has pointed ears like a goblin. It's got half plate armor across its belly. And you can see its eyes are like a faint glowing yellow. From the reflection of these pyres, you see it snarl and bare these sharp teeth, and you see it. And it's smelling into the air. Okay. You see it as it fully stands in its opposite hand. It swings up a humongous battle axe. A great axe. Double-sided. That's a great axe. The great a great axe. Um, Zero has things he would like to do before stuff kicks off. Yeah. It sounds like stuff is about to kick well, off. I was going to say, Tabi is going to, you know, quietly make his way back to the group. And while still invisible, kind of like whisper close to Zero. Okay, I think I've, I think I think we can all see where our target is. I think that we should make uh, with great haste in dispatching that one first. So, um, like a friend of mine, a very wise man once said, and Zero leans in a little close. I have a plan, <laughs> and uh, he stashes Zero. Reason on his back. I was going to say, somewhere Felix is beaming. <laughs> uh, he makes sure to uh, uh, check and uh, uh, ensure that his hand crossbow is uh, nice and uh, sitting nice and easy in, uh, in his side holster. Um, and he's going to equip his shield on his left. And in his right, he is going to pull out the mug of the boss pour a little bit of uh, whatever oil I have into there. Alchemist's fire, if nothing else. And he's going to make the mug say, world's best necromancer. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Alright. So Zero is ready to go when everyone else is ready to march. I say you go in first, because if that fails, then we'll just stab everything. Boris sounds delightful. Sorry, Boris, what did you say? Uh, Boris doesn't join up with the rest of the group and instead tries to sneak through the tree cover around behind the giant. So like staying to the edge? Staying in the trees and just around to the back of where the giant would be so that I'm right behind him. Okay. Um, I'll give you a dash. I'll say you can make it 120 feet during this process. Uh, please roll. Please roll me a stealth check. Twenty-three. Very good. Uh, you remain undetected by the kobolds, uh, though now you can tell this giant senses something. He's not sensing you, but. Something about him has made him stand and start surveying. You see him looking out to the east side in front of him, looking at that pyre and kind of making his way around in a clockwise motion. Um, the rest of your group still at the opening? Yes. Yep. I'm waiting for Zero to go in yes. as the world's 
greatest necromancer or world's best necromancer. And that's what Zero is going to do. He's just going to tilt his uh, captain's hat uh, just a little bit further off to the right. You know, uh, we're going for the extra jaunty angle. And he's going to, leading with the left, start striding into the camp confidently. Okay, as you do, both of the pyres, one to your left and one to your right, there's about five of these kobolds. They just look at you and they see this figure they did not expect. Your humongous stature and unnatural appearance, uh, they squeal. As soon as they start, Zero starts in with, what is this abomination? And all right, so 116, 111, and one natural 20. They have to, what's the wisdom they have to beat? They have to beat a 15. So on a fail, uh, I gain charisma checks uh, with that creature while I show the mug. And uh, on a succeed, they do perceive me as the best. On a succeed? You mean on a failure or if on a they, succeed? If, if they fail the save. So, okay, yes. Uh, okay. Sorry. So, yeah. They, are, they must succeed or they will perceive you to be the best. On a failed, you gain advantage, uh, blah, blah, blah. If only they sort to be uh, influenced. Okay, there we go. Uh, the two on the left kind of cock their heads when they look at you, but then they look at each other and they both scramble heading up the hill to the north. The three to your right look at you, throw their hands in the air, and lay down on the ground like groveling prost- with their arms like out. prostrating? And, yeah. <laughs> and and they uh, they recognize you as a person of very um, strong, dark power. And they are groveling, but they're slowly inching backwards towards the tree line. <laughs> no, no, we don't have time for this. None of this groveling. That pyre needs to be at least 15 feet to the east. Did anyone teach any of you anti-feng shui? Uh, you see them Who's in charge here. <laughs> they look at each other, um, and, and then they, they all three of them in unison point to the north towards that structure. And now after this commotion, you can look up and see this giant has two glaring yellow eyes beaming at you, and he's going to roll to make his save. Okay. He beats it. He oh, beats okay. it. Roll 11 plus, say, God plus damn it. 5. That would be so awesome yeah. if he failed. <laughs> he only beat it by one. Yeah. So you see him look at you, and he's glaring his teeth, right? And then he closes his mouth, and he squints, and then... And he bears his fangs once more. You hear him, and from around him, waving his opposite hand, you can see this like swirling vapor start to envelop him almost. It's hanging and swirling around his waist. And then you start to see something else within this vapor. There's darker forms almost, resembling oblong shapes that are being stretched and swirled around his figure. This 25 foot tall black black giant just staring at you with these fangs. You then start to see images of faces in anguish within this swirling fog around his body. And 
and he puts his great axe in both hands, and he appears to be bracing himself, now surrounded by this swirling force, uh, which appear to be spectral in nature. Tabby's going to take a moment and uh, grab the uh, eyedropper uh, okay. in his pocket, and just a little little drop on the tongue. Okay. Um, roll me a constitution check. Check or saving throw? It's just a check. Okay, just making sure. Not great. A 10. It tastes very bitter, almost grainy, and then it starts to develop into sort of like a pop rocks kind of sensation where your your tongue is really starting to tingle, and it's not stopping. It's like a sparkler is going off inside of your mouth without the heat. You don't feel any pain, but you start to feel the hairs on, on your body stand up a little bit, like a chill. Um, and you do recall <laughs> that Gladdy instructed you to drop them in equal parts in your eyes. Oops. And the duration will last for 10 minutes. I didn't remember that. Uh, until just now. I did. <laughs> until, until just now, in which case I'm going to, you know, uh, retch and then put it in my eyes. <laughs> um, this is the last thing that's going to happen. Sure. I will tell you uh, what you feel and what you uh, experience. I'm okay with that. So this is the effects of the etherealness spell. Or no, I'm sorry, not etherealness. True sight. Ooh, okay. True sight. I'm okay with that. That's cool. I get that. So you can see things as they truly are. You can see uh, magical uh, secrets or maybe um, hidden things that are magically disguised. You can also see into the ethereal plane. Mm-hmm. And around here, like, your normal vision goes to, like, a swirly gray. You know, very much Frodo puts on the ring and right. his surroundings is changed in front of him. Okay. But you can also see much, much more. You are surrounded by ghostly spirits, tall stone giants, and you can clearly see features on their face. They don't look emaciated. They don't look undead. They look very much what a stone giant would have appeared to be while it was alive. So almost like ancestral spirits, not like undead spirits. Correct. And they are somewhat grouped around the pyres and these stone piles of rubble. Um, And you can see them, like, looking and noticing at you, many of them standing right around your party. Um, You can see them away from the giant. You can see them keeping their distance from wherever he is. But you you see them filling this space almost, saturating uh, the tree line with this glowing pale blue. Many of them look very sad and sorrowful. Um, However, the ones closest to you turn and look. And they don't say anything, but it's almost like, hey, he can see us. Real recognize real. So let's roll initiative. All right. And this death giant is going first. 
Uh, you can see him snarling and growling, looking at Zero. And the uh, first thing that he's going to do is a frightful keening. So the guardian souls swinging around him begin to wail in anguish. All living creatures of its choosing within a hundred feet can hear it uh, and and there would be effects. Um, I don't believe any of you are within a hundred feet, but that's the first thing it wants to do. All all of these high shrieking sounds coming from these guardian spirits. And then he's going to break off a piece of that Kit Kat bar of a wall and hurl it towards zero. Oh my. 13 plus 15. <laughs> 28 to hit? Well, yeah, that'll hit. Okay. Oobly. Like, did you even have to ask? <laughs> 20 bludgeoning hit points at you. And it's going to stride confidently. Making its way around one, two, fifty feet. Puts it between the center mound and the crescent-shaped mound, uh, sort of directly in the middle of this hillside clearing. And you can hear it as these. Spirits are wailing and swirling around him. He's just growling, and there's something furious glowing within his eyes. Boris, you're next. I am going to try to sneak in the direction of the giant, still undetected. Um, And I am going to try to stay as close as possible to some of the assorted cobalt guys that are kicking around. I sneak in that direction. Um, this is a... Well, no, it's the same group that you were next to, so you don't have to roll another stealth check. You have no problem. There's plenty for you to hide behind. Um, I don't know, how tall is Boris? Boris is... Or a 13-year-old girl. Four foot 11. Okay, decent, decent. Just wanted to make sure there's plenty for you to hide behind with very little effort. You're able to stay out of sight and you know exactly how to move your feet so you don't make any sounds. So I would say you're you're about 30 feet, maybe 45 feet away from this giant. Trusty dagger. Oh, yes. Uh, what's the trusty dagger? My trusty dagger is a dagger that uh, flies back into my hand after I've thrown it. Mm. Um, and it does extra damage if it's in melee, which doesn't apply here. Mm-hmm. So it does 2d4 plus 6 damage. If you hit. Mm-hmm. If I hit. Alright. Uh, you're, you're at 30 feet. What's the short range on that? Short is 20. Long okay. is 60. Yeah, so you'd be throwing it at disadvantage. 
Anything shorter than 20 is a straight roll. Over 20 is going to be this. Cool. Eight. <laughs> An eight does not hit. <laughs> um, how does it fly back to you? Is it natural that it, it just does that? No, it just like poofs back into my hand. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So you see it going off course and before it has a chance to make noise and cause a disturbance or a distraction, you just poof it back and it's back in your palm. Yeah. Okay. Any, um, and it's like a little glass dagger too, so it's almost invisible. Ooh, I like that. If I remember correctly from the way I'd written that. Yeah, <laughs> you wrote it. Any bonus action? Um, yep, I hide behind one of the cobalts that I'm near. You can do that, no problem. Hiding is easy enough for someone like you. Tabby? Okay, so since I'm closer to the clearing, how far, how, or I'm sorry, to the, like, you know, the mouth where we opened, right? Because I was, I was close to mm-hmm. zero before he moved in. Uh, how far am I from the giant currently? 90 feet. 90 feet, okay. That gives me a good point of reference. So what I'm gonna do is, since I'm still, I'm still invisible, um, use my action to summon my mage hand mm-hmm. and then make it invisible because I have mage hand legend domain so it's invisible with me and I'm going to have it just kind of like stay with me okay as I um, move 30 feet closer to the giant I'm just going to move essentially due north towards the giant um, almost right next to zero yeah that's okay I'm okay with that actually um and since I used my action to summon my mage hand, uh, I'm going to use my... Actually, I can use my bonus action, uh, my cunning action, to dash. Okay. Since I'm invisible anyways, uh, and go another okay. uh, another 30 feet closer. So now I'm 30 feet away from the giant. All right, you're pretty much right behind those boulders that are straight yep. in front of you. Okay. And you do you do have full cover there. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out here for until my next turn. Okay, excellent. Zero. All right, so uh, zero. Uh, but what kind of range do we have between where zero was standing and uh, the other guy? You said uh, it was greater than 100 feet because um, uh, of the aura, but I wasn't really sure. I know he's advanced about, what, 50 to 80 on us so far? Yeah, you're still uh, you're about 60 feet away from him. Okay, that's fine. Uh, my move will cover half of that, and the range doesn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to walk towards him. I'm going to have my shield up in my left hand. Um, as I'm walking forward, uh, you know, I boldly state, I really am the world's best necromancer. Will you try your hand against me? Uh, roll an intimidation. Sounds great. Six. <laughs> its its eyes narrow and its smile widens. Well, as the kids say, fuck around and find out. Slugs the last of his mug, stashes it in one of the pockets of his jacket, and then, uh, you know, cowboy draws uh, the hand crossbow three rounds. Yep. Twenty. Twenty hits. Nineteen. 
19 hits. And a net 20. Hey! All three! Oh, wow. All right, so that's D6 plus four for each of those, so we'll roll off the first two on their own. Okay. And it's going to be, let's see, ten piercing and uh, six piercing. Okay. And then that last one is going to be the full uh, six plus five. That's 11, uh, 12, 13, 14, and 15 on the last one. Total 15? Okay. Very good. And then he's just going to slam the thing back into its holster. And, uh, you know, he, he would be keeping walking, but it's the end of his turn. And he will just start on the next one. So your bolts fire and two of them into the ribs and into the arm. And then the third one, top of the collarbone, right at the bottom of his neck. And you can see his torso twist as your last one hits and he snaps off the bolt, throws it to the ground. And then you just see this black starting pouring out of that wound across his chest. And he grips his battle axe. There's uh, his great axe. See? Causing death already. <laughs> Excellent. Murph? Uh, you said I'm about 100 feet from him, right? Yes, easily. <clears throat> so Murph kind of takes up uh, both of his hands. Okay. Uh, he stays right where he is. He takes uh, a pinch of dust and an eyedropper, and in his hand, he drops two drops of the water in his hand. The dust then poofs in from his hand, and he says, Ice of Wrath! And suddenly, a sleet storm attacks uh, the giant, Yeah. and he uh, must make a dexterity saving throw. Unnatural 20. Oof. Are you kidding? I'm sorry. Like, Big I, oof. You sucked. <laughs> uh, big oof. So uh, anyway, regardless, it is now difficult terrain. Uh, so uh, he is still going to struggle when he moves. How large okay. is the area um, of difficult terrain? Out of it is a, yep, it is a 20 foot, uh, sorry, a 40 foot radius. Um, I, am, I am centering it actually um, like closest to him. So he's got 40 feet that he needs to. Yep. <clears throat> I'm going to say the edge of this sleet storm is just about where you see zero. Zero was closer to 30 feet from him, but he's kind of stumbled back from the crossbow bolts that he received. So now this big swirling snow and ice is like, you know, creating it slippery, I guess. Yeah, it's like right before zero. Okay. Very good. Um, you can see the rest of the kobolds who are surrounding the pyres are fleeing. They're running into the woods, uh, screaming, many of them ripping their uh, black cloaks off and just <laughs> throwing it up in the air, trying to stay alive. <laughs> so, so another quick question, is the pyre in this uh, 40 foot radius? There is one to the right, on the right side that you would notice to, uh, towards the east. And that one starts to uh, sizzle and quench as you see more smoke piling up from the one on the right side. Yeah, so it's my storm is strong up. enough to douse, douse any flames that are in that radius. 
Uh, you can see um, the one to the left, sort of uh, midway up this hill, is really starting to flicker. The flames are really blowing, and it's kind of stoking that fire from the wind, but it's just outside the radius of that sleet storm. Um, and then I'm going to uh, make a move after that, uh, and I'm going to move 20 feet toward the action. Okay. Very good. And you can see this this giant um, recognized there's multiple foes here. Um, and he's sort of backpedaling a little bit as he's experiencing these magical effects. But his resolve is is not changed. <laughs> and did you? Annoying fuck. <laughs> the doctor is in. Uh, Dudu will say, I don't like that thing, uh, and will take off um, 10 feet up, 40 feet forward, uh, and use Polymorph. Yeah, it's his go to. <laughs> okay. Sweet. So I gotta make a wisdom save? Uh, yes, beat a 17. Oh, no, he does not. What is he doing? Ah, he's a chipmunk. <laughs> he's a chipmunk. <laughs> How much? How Just much? Wait, how much HP that. does a chipmunk say or have? Because like any damage we do beyond <laughs> its max HP bleeds into, you know, the the thing when we kill when we hit it. So, right. Come on, chipmunk. I'm gonna say chipmunk for at least an hour. I could be generous and say he has two hit points, but I'm pretty sure um, I have there a is there is there's no one. chipmunk one, but there is a squirrel. It has an AC of ten and one hit point. Yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> he's, he's a chipmunk. He's a he's a black chipmunk though, and his eyes are glowing uh, a vaporous yellow. That's okay. At least it, it would probably at least negate its turn. Um, you know, it has a speed of thirty feet and a climbing speed of thirty feet. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so you can see, as it's obviously frustrated when this bird person goose flutters up ten feet and towards him casting a spell, waving its long neck in the air, and it just, this giant 25 foot tall beast just, it's this little black chipmunk that hops up on top of a boulder and it's like rubbing its head. Um, does it hop on the boulder or does it slip off the boulder because it's full of ice and sleet? Well, I would, I would say like, you kind of like polymorphed it in midair. <laughs> yeah, I guess it then, would. Yeah, I guess it would. <laughs> and then it, it fell onto the pile of rocks right next to it, and you can see it, it caught itself, and now it's sitting on top of this rock, just like rubbing its face, rubbing its arms, like clearly uncomfortable. Uh, and you can see its eyes glowing brighter and brighter. And it will remain so until it loses those hit points. Correct. Right. It loses that one hit point. Yes. Okay. They're a nearby volcano. <laughs> We're on an island. Pick him up, fly him about uh, about a quarter mile over the water, and drop him in the uh, drop him in the ocean. See if uh, see if giants can swim. I, I don't want to test. Her. I don't want to test that. However, that would be a fun way to drop it in the water, right? And then have the cannons fire on it when it comes back into like normal shape. <laughs> Just literally pick it up from the battlefield, 
drop it next to the fucking destroyer and then just unload the full broadside <laughs> of the ship on the giant. <laughs> um, so I will say it's its turn next in initiative order and it's going to get one action to try and scurry. Uh, but beyond that, since we are effectively out of initiative, what Tabi sees, those souls mm-hmm. and spirits that were swirling around the giant have not dissipated, have not disappeared. Um, they have uh, ceased uh, technically like swirling around this thing, but they are hanging sort of like in a limbo state. These do not resemble the stone giant figures that are you were, you were looking at surrounding the area. They seemed ghastly. They're uh, apparitions that um, are more uh, emaciated and as and a, a raw spiritual element as opposed to uh, an actual figure. Um, you can see them tormenting in anguish because it seems like they don't really know what to do at this point. They were summoned for a purpose, and although the creature continues to exist, they are no longer necessarily um, able to follow its commands anymore. Mm. Uh, What you can see are the rest of the stone giant figures. They saw this giant disappear. They saw this death giant just into a little chipmunk. They start moving in a little bit, and then you see them all kind of marching northward. Um, on this on this slope, um, the kobolds have fleed. Right. Uh, the smoldering pyres, you can see them sort of reflecting as they pass these pyres. Uh, but they all seem to be surrounding the area from which the death giant originated from with the crescent wall uh, remaining in the ruins. Do the giant spirits interact with the ones that look more emaciated? No, they are still keeping their distance, skirting around from wherever, because they know that, you know, it's not dead. Um, right. Do they know? Do the emaciated ones look like they are, at least to me, corporeal? Like that I could interact with them? Or can I just see them? I can make whatever um, check I need to, but I'm just curious. Yeah. Roll me, I guess, roll me an arcana check. All right. Not good at those, but we'll see. Uh, 14. You do recognize them to be independent spirits. These are not manifested. These are summoned. Okay. Um, it is necromantic magic, and you do believe that this is a very much a, a master and puppet kind of scenario. Okay. And they appear they appear to be waiting for their master. Um, anguish is the emotion across their faces. Interesting. Okay. Um, the wind begins to howl and you hear lightning over the top Um, and you can actually see there's some blood across the ground it doesn't appear to be from the giant it doesn't appear to be from the kobolds but tracking up this slope you can see something has been brought Uh, you see the stone giant ghosts moving towards The chipmunk is going to try to move towards the east. Um, 
into sort of that crescent little pile. He's only going, what, 10, 10 feet, 15 feet, um, trying to hide into some, some of these cracks in the rocks. Um, to do would like to pick him up. All right, roll me a uh, sleight of hand, or sleight of wing. Or sleight of beak? Or beak, I guess the beak would be sleight of bird. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Uh, 16. Okay. Absolutely. Um, without much trouble, you kind of have to knock away a stone with your beak, but then you reach in is he is furious. It's, it's imagine like, you know, the, the T-Rex who can't reach you with his short arms. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, you've got him over the scruff of his neck, and he's just kicking his legs furiously. I, uh, wrap him, swaddle him in the witch panties. Not sure what it sounds like when a chipmunk bags. Bumper. Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> Just wow. Phil, I'm not uh, sure if this was that you were. One, one hit point of poison damage. No, and returns no. To shape. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my uh, god. Um, you you are gentle enough with your beak that you it's more of a tool. You're not trying to hurt it, so it's very easy for you to, I guess wrap this thing with your <laughs> okay all right um quick uh quick quick meeting fellers uh and and and, and lady sorry just use saying fellers all the time uh so god of course like right when there I'm are those wolves again remember yeah you it's the wolves <laughs> yeah that's right mm-hmm. <sighs> getting louder It's like without fail. Without fail. Okay. Um, I love that novel. I've never actually read it. I I only did the wishbone version. It's exactly what you think it would be. Yeah. I'm just yeah. Toby's just gonna say like, listen, y'all. I I can see a bunch of spirits because I took them that liquid and like dropped it in my eyes and stuff like the witches told me to. And there's a whole bunch of spirits all over the place. There's there's. There's a bunch of giant spirits that don't seem to be too unfriendly, and there's a whole bunch, and there's a bunch of them swirling around where where this giant was that looked to be very unfriendly. And I have a feeling they ain't gonna go away until this thing's dead. Yeah, they are kind of circling to do. They are not attacking him, um, because it's it's not like the orders are given, but they remain because technically. Uh, the summoning has not ceased. Right. So, uh, I'm gonna what do you some- do see is okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna do I'm gonna do something real quick before we try to affect the chipmunk giant thing in any other ways. Um, I'm gonna go around and with the with my control flames cantrip, I'm going to extinguish every pyre. And as you do. Any, any lingering stone giant ghosts that are around there kind of make a symbol like a, like, you know, namaste, like, you know, kind of thank you, this is something we appreciate this is something we can't affect and all we want to do is end the suffering so they kind of move in a sense that, you know, the corpses don't look like stone giants, right but it, it, was, it was something that was happening in a space that they clearly care about very much Okay. Um, so they actually start to make physical gestures 
kind of leading and pointing up to this northern space. And there's now a multitude of these stone giant ghosts surrounding that crescent wall that remains to the north. Um, I'll head that. Dire- I'll head wherever they're pointing to me. Then to that, cre- like that crescent uh, area. Do you check for secret doors? I well, if <laughs> it's not a room, so no. But I will at least go to where they are gesturing. And indeed, you can, as, as you round uh, one of the larger piles of rubble, you can get a peek into the inside of this crescent, where it's about a half circle, and then in the back of it is a large pile of rubble. And what you see is uh, one of the stone giant figures wearing a large necklace, okay. and he has t- tattoo marks across of his face, down his cheeks, and around his eyes. And he seems to stand out as something of a figure, something of an elder. And as you approach, the rest of these ghosts are noticing you and they're actually parting and making room for you to move through. When clearly you could just walk right through them, it's like they are acknowledging. And you can see the one with the tattoos pointing at three different rocks. And then he's pointing at the ground and there is a pool of blood in a divot. And he, he points to the pool, and then he points to the three rocks, making subtle movements, like one's a Z pattern, one's a lesser than pattern, and one is two lines up and down. And he's sort of motioning to you to come forth and do what he's asking you. I'm just going to say to my party, okay, hang tight. France, just give me one second, and I'm gonna take, you know, essentially some blood. I'm gonna try to see if I can use it like, a, like any sort of like, a, you know, I'll empty my water skin. In fact, and just like pour some in there. It's kind of gross, but I'm gonna do that. And okay. what I'm gonna do is go, you know, when it, when I get to each of the rocks that he's pointed to, pour some of that blood on my hands and draw the symbols as gestured to me on each of the rocks. Uh, Dudu he- actually offers you his ink pen. It's a quill. It's too late. Okay, well, I mean, he, he I, yeah. Uh, Dudu, you don't see the rest of these stone giant multitudes. You just see oh, Tabi sure. yeah, kind of like pick, yeah. up, pick up some of this blood, and then you see him wiping the stones. And as you pull your quill, because it's very clear he's trying to write or make some symbols, uh, you then start to see that blood begin to glow. And Tabi, you notice this, like, immediately when the blood hits your fingers... It's almost like black light. It is, it is neon. And you are writing these symbols across the three stones in the order that he had showed you. Right. They're, all in the same, they're all in the same pile. Okay. They, they start to glow brightly. To do, you start to see the glowing brightly. And then it almost seems as if between these two planes, between the ethereal that Tabi is experiencing and the physical that Dudu is seeing, a series of those boulders cease to exist. They almost fade away into nothing. They're not ethereal. They're not physical. And then you are left with a passage leading down below a giant set of deep stairs. It appears to be an underside of this what used to be structure that is still intact and possibly still in use. All right, uh, so just keep tabs on that giant thing. We should, and, and let's take a look down below. 
Uh, the dude takes a second look at the chipmunk wrapped in the panties, and mm -hmm. uh, we're off. <laughs> okay. um, just for uh, clarity's sake, roll me a de dexterity check to do. Oh, uh, 19, so whatever. Okay, very good. Um, I was basically checking to see, like, is this a single-chamber knapsack that you loosely wrapped this thing in a pair of underwear, or did you actually fasten it and you got it, like, secure so he can struggle, but he won't be able He's to He's got it, like, swaddled like a baby. I feel like baby. that should have been an intelligence check. <laughs> swaddled like a baby. You're doing this with a beak. No matter how smart you are, it's a difficult task. <laughs> All right, so you can descend deeper, and I'm sure uh, the rest of you are feeling curiouser and curiouser about what Tabi has experienced and what he's talking about, because all the kobolds have left. the The giant is shrunk. Like, wh what's what's left to them? So, what you see in front of you is a crumbled and uneven hallway created by a series of old substructures. Uh, most of these giant-sized spaces have collapsed, leaving uneven floors and corroded ceilings. Uh, you can see multitudes of rats scurrying from your, from your presence as you move forward. They're all sliding into little cracks and holes. And it goes through a series of uh, scattered, decrepit chambers until you find yourself in a larger room with a high ceiling. And in front of you is a tall threshold. Large wooden doors long since destroyed lay scattered across the floor. And in this chamber, you can see several large wooden crates. And to your right, there's a smaller but very sturdy iron door. They might if you look through the tall threshold in front of you. You can see a long open chamber with a dais at the far end. And on the dais is a single, thick, black candle. Is it lit? Casting dim blue lights. Dim blue lights? Dim blue, dim blue light. Um, if Dudu sees this, he would utilize identify. <clears throat> Always being curious. Um, but I have to touch it. Identify what? The candle, I think he's saying. The candle. It's, it's about 70 feet in front of you. You're walking into the room I check to move traps. to identify it? I check for traps. Hold on. Uh, right. <laughs> what? What is the condition of the room we're in? Uh, from where you're walking in, it's rough. But you can see towards the far end of the room, the floors and walls surrounding the dais are neatly preserved. You can see ancient details of a long lost civilization carved into the walls. And you see many tall figures that have deep marks scratched over their faces. Um, in, the so in, the center, in the center of the dais is the thick black candle. And behind it in the darkness, you see a long smooth coffin carved from onyx. Oh, okay. Um, so, can to do fly in this space? The ceiling's only maybe 20 feet tall. So if you're flying, you're close to the ceiling. However, um, where you're at, the ceiling is rough, 
And then as you move further into the room, it becomes more well-defined with the smooth ceiling and floor and walls. Okay. So if Dudu is about four feet tall and he continuously flaps his giant bird wings, can he keep himself in the air? That's, I mean, that's fly, uh, right? I'm, I'm gonna just create a law of average and say that you oscillate two feet higher and two feet lower from whatever height you designate. Because you're flapping, like ten feet you're trying, yeah. you're trying to stay in place. Right, like, and then it goes up, and then it goes down, and then it goes up. Yeah. Um, if nobody stops him, Dudu would fly over to the candle uh, and take one of his duck feet, a goose feet, and uh, like just his toe, his his goose toe, <laughs> will touch the candle, and I'll use identify on the candle first. You approach the dais and give me a stealth check. Uh, what's that? 13. As you're approaching, a long, vaporous figure resembling a stone giant slides out of the blue flame from the candle. Oh, And okay. he, he, he begins to address you. Me, flying in front of him. <laughs> well, and anyone else who may be. All of us. Oh, please, won't you come in? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Christopher Walken dead? Excuse me. Had I known you were coming, I would have tried to jump out and scare you. But I'm tired. To what do I owe this uh, dubious pleasure and prompt to disturbance? Uh, yes, uh, before he even has a, a chance to, before Dudu has a chance to open his mouth and say something stupid, uh, <laughs> Tabby's just going to chime in. Um, we were dealing with uh, some some terrible things, heard something about an agent of Vecna. I'm not sure if it's that chipmunk my friend just turned that horrible dead giant thing into, but kind of a bit of a situation. Dudu thrusts the chipmunk in the panties in front of him. <laughs> oh, God. Just put that... No, no, put that away. Don't don't just, like, hang that thing about here. Anyways, uh, so we were dealing with that situation. My friend here turned it into a chipmunk. We were trying to figure out what to do with it, and then I uh, saw some, some ghastly giant spirits that told me to pour some blood on things, and then that's how I ended up down here. Oh, really? That's... Most unfortunate. I'm very sorry to hear. If you don't mind, uh, I'd like to walk and talk, maybe away from the coffin. Uh, all right. Uh, is there is there something wrong with that coffin? Is there something? He moves. He moves you closer up to the threshold. Okay. Oh, I'm very very happy to say, uh, my deceased brethren didn't scare you off. Um. However, that bag of bones in the coffin is named uh, Ilvanen. He's a big to-do latida. He keeps me here, my soul, my very sense, imprisoned. He's my master, but he's an asshole. <laughs> uh, I mean, that sounds, that sounds kind of terrible. Uh, is there something we can do to maybe free you from... 
service from this asshole? He practices dark arts uh, in this room just over there. Very scary, uh, messy business. Uh, I hate being here, and my existence has been reduced to a pointless servant. I'm a peon in the afterlife. I don't like this guy. To do like Penguin walks over to you and says, I might be able to help you. Uh, and he will also touch you and use remove curse. Um, do, do you have to do anything for that? It just says touch. <laughs> yeah, but what does the spell actually say? Yes. Like in order I used to, to have, uh, at your touch, all curses affecting one creature or object end. If the object is cursed magic item, <laughs> creature or object, uh, but the spell breaks its owner's attunement to the object so it can be removed or discarded. That's if it's an object. This is a person. <laughs> it says it's a creature. Right. Cursing is affecting one creature or object. I'm going to say, um, I, ju- I just rolled uh, to see maybe what his impression of you was. So as you as you waddle towards him, he kind of floats higher up in the air and away from me. He goes, whoa, whoa, guy, you're doing it all so, wrong. <laughs> you're doing it all wrong, okay? Jason Christopher walking ghost around the room. <laughs> Ain't you ever heard of a thing called consent? I just met you. <laughs> you just came into my house and you try to start touching me. Now, please, I'm going to have to ask you one time. Give me a moment to talk to you before you just start getting all grabby with me, okay? <laughs> please continue. I mean, and, this and, conversation is going as they're like circling. Yeah. <laughs> please just try to ignore my goose friend here. And is there, how do we stop this and how do we help you? We need to dispatch this dark agent. Well, uh, I happen to know uh, he's a vampire. Vampires have a weakness, so to speak, an Achilles heel, if you will. Uh, Didu has a uh, a stake on him. (laughs) I do! (laughs) In your inventory? I have a hammer and a wooden stake, and I pull them both out of my inventory. <laughs> I'm pretty sure as soon as you step foot on that dais over there, he's going to want to wake up. How do we... What? What, what about flying? Just let, him just, 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 let, just, just let the man talk. Maybe, uh... Maybe uh, the, uh, you could, uh, yeah, fly. Use those wings. Uh, <laughs> as you can see, I don't touch anything nowadays. You know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it would be better if, if you knew my name first. <laughs> oh, how, how? My name used to be. <laughs> it used to be Garvin, but now, I'm a ghost. You can call me the G-Man. <laughs> Sorry, just hate like I'm getting some Half Life Two vibes now. G Man. Um, okay. Well, it's it's supposed to be reference to J Man. No, I, I I'm aware. I got you. Oh yeah. Uh, so, right. uh, what what is it uh, you plan to do? Well, we kind of need to um, kill your master. 
Uh, pretty sure he's the cause of the horrible things that are happening here. And uh, that would, in turn, uh, also release you probably from servitude. So I feel like this could be a win-win situation for all of us here. I hear you. Man, I hear you. I'm down. I can get with it. I'm on my toes. Except I don't seem to have any right now. But maybe you stake the bag of bones. And then you can get into this room over here. I happen to know his dubious works are going to continue. Whether he remains undead or real dead. All right, that sounds like a plan. Let's 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 do that. Uh, I'm going to think about um, how the you... fuck we open a coffin silently and stab this thing before it wakes up. Dudu hands the um, chipmunk in the panties uh, to. Well, no, I, I, yeah, he gives it to Murph because he has to pull out the uh, the stake and the hammer. So now Murph has the panty-wrapped uh, chipmunk dead thing. All right. Take good care of it. I'm going to call it at 35 minutes on the polymorph right now. You got about 25 remaining. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I figured it once this, like, hopefully once the evil thing is dead, this thing ceases to exist as well, right? Because I can only assume it's probably one of its creations. So I'm hoping that if we could just deal with the source, we don't have to deal with what was in the way. Yeah. Okay. Do we want to brute force the coffin open, or do we want to sneak stealth the coffin open? Is uh, is Tabby and Boris strong enough? Um, I guess maybe, but my I have a follow-up question to that, and this is for the DM. Mm-hmm. Would a vampire be considered a humanoid? Uh, well, it's undead, and so. it says it's a shape changer, so it has a humanoid form. Okay, that's but good. But it, it also it also has other form. Sure, but I mean, if it is in a humanoid form, then if I could affect a humanoid with something, I would be able to affect the humanoid form of said vampire, correct? Quite quite possibly. Okay. That's uh, just a question that I need, you know, answered mm-hmm. now in case things go bad. Of badly. course. Of course. All right, I'm going to say, okay, here's the plan. I think we have zero open the coffin, and if this thing doesn't wake up, the deal you just drive that stake straight through its heart. But if it starts moving around, I'm going to try to paralyze it. And I'm going to hide um, so that I'm obscured from view because I can do things better when I'm not detected. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sort of hold, a, I'm going to probably be about 60 feet away from the coffin. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to like wait there silently. Uh, Zero reaches into his backpack and pulls out a crowbar. All right, I'm going to... I'm gonna cast shield on myself just in case. It's a shield is a reaction, so it would only be done if you something hits you. Right. If something were cast at you, then your reaction is to cast shield. Oh, I'm a ding dong. Okay. Um. Then instead, I'm gonna cast mage armor on myself. That is an action. 
Cool. All right. And Boris is going to prepare by pulling out and loading her hand crossbow and setting up 30 feet away from the coffin. All right. I am also choosing to be at a distance from the coffin. All right. We have Zero ready to pry the lid. Who is up there with him? Dadu is going to be ready to uh, drive, with... this, drive the stake through. Okay. Right. Very good. Um, I guess I would like uh, Zero to give me a strength check. Aided by the crowbar. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. What does that crowbar do for it, though? <laughs> I don't know. Leverage? Yeah, so, um, seven. <sighs> <laughs> You get the lid up just fine, but from your prying motion, you hit the apex of your lift enough to get your hand under. And as you reach to get your hand under, the crowbar slips out and the lid comes, shuts on top. And you hear something from the inside. Oh, Garwan, you have brought me a donor, perhaps several donors. How kind of you. Do not forget about the time you tried to run away, huh? I have not forgotten that, Garwen. I will... I will accept this offering. And you see the lid start to creak open. And as he looks, uh, I need to have... um, Did you... Make this make the motion if he's going to make a motion. Well, can we do a uh, sort of a tandem thing here? Because if I can see this thing coming out of the coffin, this is this is where my where my reaction would kick in. Sure. I'm going to cast hold person. Okay. Well, what you see is an arm. That's good enough. That's good enough, right? As long as I can see, yeah. As long as I can see part of its figure, yes. And because I am casting a spell while hidden, my magical ambush feature allows me to give the target disadvantage against the spell. So it needs needs to make a wisdom save at disadvantage. Okay. (laughs) Five. Yeah, it does not beat a 17, (laughs) so it is effectively paralyzed. So that should make for a nice and easy time driving the stake through its heart. And so, I, uh, both Zero and Dudu can now see this vampire. He's got one arm up holding the coffin, and he was speaking. And he's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, this is interesting. Um, Zero pulls, uh, out, pulls out the mug and takes a sip from it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. A four plus two is a six. So he's like, oh, I was not <laughs> expecting you. <laughs> I am a Irwarnin. I am vampire. <laughs> uh, this Thank is you a... Jeff. Thank you. Stick him in the chest. Stick him in the chest. Oh, my God. I'm not doing Stick him in the chest. <laughs> okay. So. I this... wasn't expecting. Ah! 
Garwin, Garwin, something is wrong. You, you did not greet our guest. And you can visibly see now uh, the veins in his body are filling and swelling uh, with blue. Uh, you can see what little color there was to his complexion uh, releasing and he now seems to be completely uh, paralyzed. He is in his uh, coffin and the weakness, a piercing weapon made of wood driven into the vampire's heart while the vampire is incapacitated in its resting place, the vampire is paralyzed until the stake is removed. Okay, okay. And now that he's paralyzed, he can no longer speak either. So you see him just like. <laughs> Is Zero able to put his arm down? Yes. But Zero puts his arm down and then proceeds to attempt to close the lid again. <laughs> Boris scurries up first and shoves a bubblegum cigar in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> He can't even spit it out. He's really just gagging on it. Oh, <laughs> he gets to spend a literal eternity with the indignity. <laughs> oh, jeez. You guys are great. I should have had you here long ago. Stupid me. Uh, where do you come from? Well, uh, some folks call us the heroes of Teldurian. We come from all over. I gotta say, you guys are great. Great. The only thing is, I got a fever. And the only prescription is getting my soul back. All right, yeah, yeah. So how do we, uh, how do, we do that? Reach into that sucker's pocket, and he's got a magical key. I would grab it, but I can't seem to interact. I'm not a very good guy. All right, someone want to grab that? Actually, you know what? Uh, Zero, can you just lift that lid up just a, uh, just a, just a smidge? Yes, and this time he does it with a uh, modified 20 okay. and lifts the lid. Uh, I will <laughs> use my mage hand, Ledger Domain, because I can do this discreetly, to uh, make a sleight of hand check, essentially to just take the key right off of him. Yep. It's actually inside... He's wearing a vest, and he has a... Uh, That's fine. Coat. I'm not touching him with my real hands. I'm touching yeah. him with my, my, my ethereal hand. Yeah, you can feel where it is, and then it goes underneath the fabric and retrieves this key, and it looks like a typical skeleton key, except that the eyes glow green. Green eyes? Mm -hmm. All right, shut the lid again, and... Uh, it's, it's yeah, and uh, <laughs> take the key over to the door that uh, our, our, our G-man had pointed out. Right, this way. I'm telling you, you're not gonna like it. And you can put this key in, and it seems to almost suck it in, so that only the eyes are showing on this the head of the skeleton key. And it spins a full revolution on its own. The door then swings in. What you can see is a 30 foot by 30 foot by 30 foot ritual 
it, it seems to be close to spherical, close to a, a dome shape, uh, round, there, there aren't really uh, corners to these walls at all. Um, in the center of this room, you can see a glowing well. And it is swirling with multiple colors, mostly uh, a, a blue, a deep hue blue with bright green and then flashes of silver. Uh, around it, you can see shelves with strange necromantic components. And there's a table that seems to be used almost as a, uh, an altar or a ritual table. And then against the wall, directly to your side, next to the doorway, you can see a very fine cloak hanging on a coat hook. Uh, the dew will turn to Murph and say, uh, uh, would you mind giving me back that uh, chipmunk? <laughs> Does Murph give me back the chipmunk? Wait, did I have the chipmunk? I gave it to you for a second. You weren't paying attention. Yeah, I didn't even know. <laughs> oh. uh, um, and Dudu kind of like penguin shuffles back out of the building. Out of the room? Uh, out, out of the whole structure. Oh, my God. Oh, you're leaving. Okay. Yeah. Very good. What is the cloak made? What is the cloak made out of? Um, you can tell it's fine cloth. It's stitched, maybe a little bit of uh, gold embroidery around the collar. Um, it seems to be. It's not silk, but it seems to have a bit of a sheen, like silk. I touch it. It feels. I just like put it through my fingers. It feels very, very fine, and natural. Like, it's just flowing across your fingertips. Mm. So nice. I would say it's it's more of an indigo. It's a, it's dark between indigo and, and midnight blue. So it's very dark, but it has a little bit of gold filigree just mm. around the collars and maybe around the edge of the hood. I'll uh, turn to G-Man and just be like, all right, well, uh, how do we free you? How do we stop this madness? Well, there's a well. Now, I don't know why, but every time I go in that room, there's always a lot of commotion. It seems the spirits within don't like me very much. And I believe that the vampire has been doing work in here that I only keep souls trapped, but almost as a way to imbue the spirit into other things. It's not just a vessel. It seems to work almost like an, an apparatus, like a like a some sort of magical uh, channeling device. If I look at the well, do I see anything different because of the true sight that I have? The entire room lights up for you. Um, as a matter of fact, well, I don't know. Uh, 10 minutes, right? 10 minutes was the only thing you had. I think it's just about wearing off. So you're seeing flickering at this point. Um, actually, no, because I said it was 35 minutes Yeah, it's, it's, for the polymorph. Yeah, you guys yeah. have crawled down there. All right, if I'm going to stick to my timeline in my head, your etherealness has worn off. And I cannot use the, it. The can, I, can I not use it again? 
Uh, I'm going to say you use the entire dose into both eyes. Okay. Well, shit. Um, I will say that, you know, from what you were noticing, now you can still see the G-Man. He's, he's made himself visible on the physical plane. Right. Um, and he can at least talk to you where the other ghosts weren't doing that. Right. I just want to figure out how to resolve this. Um, if that well is being used as an apparatus, it's like, okay, I want to, like, destroy, right? Like, what's being used to create mm -hmm. these horrible things and hopefully free whatever's trapped inside, but I just don't know, like, what to do. Is it just, like, made of stone? It, it appears to be made of stone, um, and it also has runes carved into the lip okay. of it. And it's more of a gaseous uh, form on the inside. It doesn't appear gotcha. to be liquid no per liquid. se. Okay. okay, okay. But it's so thick that you could consider it like a liquid. It seems to be retained within the well, but it's almost like dry ice in a container. Okay. It's very thick, opaque. You can't see through it. Light is kind of like sparkling through it, and you can see it moving and swirling um, with a sort of metallic nature. Is there anything maybe I can gather from the objects in the room that might give me a little insight as to how to affect this? You said there's a you bunch have of shelves and whatnot. Shelves and a table. Yeah, I'd like to see, just like kind of inspect the contents of the table and shelves and kind of see if there's anything okay. I can use to disrupt whatever magic is happening here. So you can see um, from the table, this is used for blood rituals and apparently feasting. There's an open journal covered in blood spatter, and you can see an arm of some corpse, like kind of slinging over the other edge of the table, you know, where something would have been, uh, whether or not he, you know, has a conduit for a soul to transfer into, or whether or not he was performing other work here, you're not quite sure. Um, over on the shelves, you see large glass jars filled with various types of, apparently, blood. Um, you can see dissection tools and several tomes with deep speech, black, black necromantic symbols across uh, rawhide, leather-bound tomes. Um, make me another arcana check. I don't like Arcana checks. Hey, you're not Felix, you know. <laughs> oh, that's not bad, though. 22. Okay. Um, so, quickly glancing at the journal on the table first, it appears this is more of a sort of diary of his own experimentations, trying to be able to take the technology of this well of souls, trap a soul and imbue it into himself so that he can break his own curse of being a vampire. Once you are a vampire, you don't have a soul any longer. You're inherently evil. Um, and it appears that that did not satisfy him. Um, you can tell, like, this is a strange situation for him to be command of Vecna to be injured and then almost exiled to this island with a lone death giant guarding him 
made him restless to a point where he was trying to break his own curse and break his own chains. When you're looking through the tomes, you can see how this well is used. This is more of a receptacle um, that has other properties. You can harvest souls and, and store them into this well. And then you can also take it one by one and remove them and imbue it into other things, possibly other creatures or even just inanimate objects. But it requires complete control over the souls and a very high level of, of uh, transmutation, being, being able to transfer something that only exists in the ethereal, bring it to the physical, and then attach it to something else. Okay. And you, you believe, like, you know, if you're talking about an electric car, this could be a battery. And you could recharge this battery by refilling it with more souls. It is a source of power, and it requires a great deal of power to wield and manage the uh, the space within. All right, I have an idea, and we need to get to do back in here immediately. We're gonna throw the fucking chipmunk into the well because I feel like he was borrowing souls to make that thing work, and so we're gonna put him back, and then we're gonna uh, destroy this vessel and set him free. All right, I'll be right back. And Zero walks out to go uh, uh, get to do. Um, like as you walk out, <laughs> um, the giant falls and like almost explodes <laughs> in front of you. Wow! No, it wouldn't because it, <laughs> because any damage it takes just reverts it back to its original form. You moron! No. Yeah. Dadu flew it up as high as he could. See, the, the, what you guys missed was Dadu flying <laughs> all the way up until he was like at moon level, dropping the chipmunk just a couple feet using magic missile on the chipmunk. <laughs> and then dropping it like and then the from the sky? <laughs> no, the giant <laughs> just fell. And I, and like, it, it's something I was thinking of, too, is, yeah, just bite him and drop it. He used magic missile because it wouldn't miss. There was no chance of him failing. So, uh, well, so zero, 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 zero <laughs> walks back in and gets to the group. Yeah, about that. You're gonna need a plan B. <laughs> but I, I will. I will tell you something, Zero. When you emerge from uh, this crypt, um, you see like a little light up in the sky. It's not a star because it's much too close. And you realize it's coming rapidly fast and it makes contact with a little brown or black speck that's maybe a hundred feet above you. And that is the magic missile reaching its target of this falling, plummeting chipmunk and <laughs> out to 25 feet long, this death giant holding its great axe. <laughs> and... It, it's obliterated as it hits the ground, but also what you see, loud thud, tremendous smoke, boulders and rocks are going flying, and those cyclone of spirits, the souls, you now see them sort of highlighted in blue and white. And then you see them spiral and off in separate directions out into the sky. Hmm. Okay, okay. Cool. Those, those restless spirits that were in anguish, 
are no longer around you. You're surrounded in blackness, gore, plate armor, and a giant dinged up great axe leaning against one of these piles of rubble and come fluttering down. Is to do. Comes, comes to do. <laughs> Did you need me for something? <sighs> Not anymore. No, no, I think we're good. And uh, uh, Zero kind of leans down in the general vague direction of the crater. I said, fuck around and find out. And then goes and walks back into the crypt. All right. Uh, So back at the Well of Souls, essentially, um, I'm curious is if like it can be destroyed essentially right and then whatever souls that are trapped in that are being harvested could be set free i think that the only way to stop this from being used is to literally prevent anyone from using it ever again mm-hmm. um everything has a shelf life you know <laughs> everything in this room was either brought in here or uh manufactured in place you do believe that the location of this well of souls was manufactured. Okay. Uh, that maybe maybe the magic existed, maybe the stones that they used already had enchantments on them, but once it was assembled, then they flipped the switch and turned it on. Okay. And then it seems that the entire populace of not just living creatures on the island, but also spiritual entities that may have been remaining in this space were then drawn into this well to be collected. Yeah, um, we need to destroy this thing. Uh, would dumping the inert vampire into the well do anything, I wonder? <laughs> you um, know... Do... Oh, wait, wait, go ahead, go ahead, uh, G-Man. No, it's okay. Uh, the G-Man's, I, I, yeah. G-Man's still down there, um, hopeful, but, you know, kind of questioning your methods. And he says, you know, I'm pretty sure he was trying to, to use that well for something. And if he could have thrown himself in... To his own benefit, he would have. However, it didn't seem like he was scared of it either. Um, the mean, dude will, well. yeah, dude will walk back down. Um, he would like to do an arcana check to see if remove curse would work to remove the souls from that item. Please do. Uh, I got a 17. 17 is not bad. You think it might work? Uh, the dude says, I tried to do this on you and you ran away. But, uh, and then he touches it and attempts to remove the curse. You see, um, some of the runes from where Dadu's wing is start to flicker out. Now, there's runes all the way around the lip of this well. And as a matter of fact, you can see figures inside of this gas start floating away from where Dudu's hand is inside. Um, they, they're like fish in a bucket. You're reaching in, and now they're starting to swim around like crazy. Hmm. Um, but you, you do see that some of those runes are starting to flicker out. Do you see G-Man? Wow. I never thought I'd see a bird do so much crazy stuff. <laughs> I like you. Maybe you can touch me after all. 
and he's reaching out his hand to you as he floats to the other side of the well. Dudu's uh, bird hand touches him. And you can see he's kind of like a pale blue, you know, to, to his figure. And when Dudu touches him, he starts to turn white. And it starts to travel across his form, across his head and his torso, and then out his other arm. And he makes contact with the other side of the well. And at that point, you see all of the runes turn white, bright light up, and then pitch blackness. And you feel a wind swirling around you. I need everybody to make dexterity saving throws. Oh, I'm good at those. And actually, wait, is this, uh, is this, would you consider it a, uh, oh, never mind, never mind. We'll get there. 21. Also a 21. 18. Dudu got an 8. 14. Okay. So everybody besides Dudu has no problem keeping their ground, but you feel jostled. Like you have to stand your ground. You have to kind of collect yourself and balance because there's a torrent of wind now swirling. The room is pitch black. The light has gone out. Um, anyone with dark vision can tell that the tomes on the None shelves. Of us. None of us. No, nobody? Okay, so everybody hears giant glass jars of blood falling off the shelves and splattering across the floor. You can hear like a faint moaning in like whispers as it's surrounding you in cycloning in this circular room. And then, boom, as the large iron door gets whipped against the wall, all of the air seems to be sucked out of the room and you're in a a quiet stillness um, there you see this white glowing figure of the G-Man come back. Wow. Wowie, wow, wow, wow. That was incredible. You guys, Dudu, from having his wings splayed, touching the well and the uh, G-Man, has been sucked and blown out the door into that large room outside. And you can see he's struck against one of the wooden crates. Um, and you're going to take 1d4 of damage. One point of bludgeoning damage as this Aarakocra slams into a wooden crate. And you can see earth, soil, pouring out from these crates as he's just like covered in dirt, laying in a pile. The G-Man slowly rises and slides his way out to Dr. Dudu. And he says, Strange bird man, you freed me. Now I may rest finally at peace. Oh, and I would suggest maybe making sure nobody can bring back that blood sucker back there in the coffin. Thank you, all of you. I am about to join my brethren in the afterlife. 
Just remember. You're welcome. If you're ever facing another vampire, just do what the G-Man told you to do. And stake him! Right in the heart! <laughs> and the good days to use. <laughs> you will see his form not float out of the hallway, but go straight up through the ceiling as quiet silence and dank catacombs are your surrounding. Um, I will say, Boris, at your feet, you look down and you see the cloak that was hanging on the wall. Oh, well, that's pretty. And I grab it and swirl it over my shoulders. As you tie the little string, you feel the cape swirl and lift and billow behind you. This is a cape of billowing. So as a uh, bonus action, you can cause the cape to flare and billow dramatically. Oh, I'm so dramatic now. This is great. <laughs> is there anything else you guys wish to do? Oh, I love, the, I love this. It literally does nothing besides just you're able to make it swell and wave dramatically as if under an ominous wind. It's literally just there to make you look cool. Fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, d do we want to drop this uh, vampire in the ocean? Oh, then that's a great Why? idea. He's immortal and permanently immobilized and with the indignity of a uh, gum cigar in his mouth. Why not just leave him here? Literally let's, for eternity. Let's just bury. Let's, what let's, if some let's mad bury man the entrance. took bury, the stake out? Just bury the entrance. Make sure no one else can get in here. Let's just let's just collapse the whole thing. As you look into that hall with the dais at the end, indeed, you see that the pale blue flame of that black candle has extinguished. It is now pitch black. I don't have any explosives. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right. I mean, Dudu has multiple methods of destroying things, but I would say just literally, if you could just collapse like the hall behind us as we as we exit, that might be enough to like seal this off. Forever, though. Well, between that and uh, we can always just have the ship shell the living shit out of this. Uh, oh, thing. my God. Just like literally just fire cannons into the hillside until it's just collapsed. Yep. I like that idea. We're doing that. <laughs> you are you would wager. I mean, you are deep below. Your your descent through those chambers led you. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like if we just if we just collapse the hallways uh, as we exit then I think we're golden. Yeah, I mean, if we've got a way to do that. Um, my solutions all involve shooting things with uh, various types of crossbow. <laughs> do, um, or I mean, Murph, I can do just... you have a way to affect that? I can shoot a, a yeah, good amount of magic now. missiles. I have um, magic missiles, Bigsby's hand, which I don't think would really do it. And I have fireballs. 
I feel like bolts. enough. I th- oh, fire bolts. I'd say enough magic missiles with the force damage could probably collapse like the ceiling. Uh, you could certainly try. Yeah, just fucking machine gun those things into the ceiling. Like, let's just all get above surface and uh, we'll just have you do it. I, I have a shit ton of them. I mean, I, I have up to one seventh level, one sixth level. I can unleash every single spell slot I have on magic missiles with force damage. Until the hallways collapsed. Right. Do it. Jadu starts doing it. I mean, if nobody wants to put it in the ocean, whatever, this is the best, second best. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, you take some time, but periodically you're you're casting and, and reading the rock um, to see where its possible weak points are. Um, how many are you casting? Well, I didn't pick a seventh level spot. <laughs> So I might as well start with that one. So that's what uh, that that that's that is three plus one per spell level. So that's another six. Um, it's nine right off the bat. Okay. Um, right after your seventh one, you do feel like a bit of rumbling. And you can see beyond into that large chamber, some other rock has been dislodged. Yep. So it's not just the area that you're aiming at. It's also part of the same vein of rock that supports this chamber. And you see some other sections start falling down around you. Perfect. Uh, you haven't sealed up anything yet, but you're fairly certain with enough time and just persistence. Just keep firing. Yeah, just keep firing until... Yeah. Now, I will say, um, if everybody's backing out of there, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's going to be some checks. Um, things are starting to cave in a yep. little bit. Yeah, I so, mean, that's um, fine. I mean, I mean, you know, we've, I, I'm, I'm saying like we've probably all gone surface side so that just the dew can just collapse it and come out after us. Okay, okay. Uh, do I'm not going to um, say you have to continue to make checks, but make one check for me. What kind? Okay. Uh, dexterity. Not great. That's just a seven. Seven. So... You learned your lesson. It's more about not only positioning where you're firing at, but positioning your own uh, position. Like, you know, being able to relate to what you're aiming at and realizing whether or not it's connected to a space that you currently occupy. Um, So you're going to take, yeah, you're going to take some damage. You take two bludgeoning damage as a rock comes down and like bops you on the shoulder and you realize I got to be more careful about this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, As... Yeah, to do as he, as he's again blasting away and making his way out of the tunnel, uh, you see him munching on two beetles. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So um, now it is quiet. The pyres have been extinguished, and it appears the island has been rid of this presence. You actually you don't see vegetation growing back, but you see some of the trees start crumbling, some of the branches snapping and falling to the ground as it appears 
whatever was a hold of this island is starting to lose its grip. Um, there's no longer any ominous lights or anything. And you can see the storm has shifted further out to the west, away from your islands. It seems to have caught another wind pattern and moved away from you. Another job well done for the heroes. And you find no struggle returning back to the Ober Star, rejoining your heroes for the next leg of your adventure on your way to High Rock. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I had a great time DMing for this spooktacular uh, Halloween special. Yeah, and thanks for the suggestion, audience. Uh, Good job, Phil. Thank you so much. Well done, Phil. Thank you so much. Strong work, Phil. Blah! But hey, (laughs) uh, if you liked what Phil did here, and if you like us in general, uh, you could find us on the internet. We're on such places as Twitter and Instagram at Hapless Heroes. We're also on Facebook and uh, Reddit. Just search for Hapless Heroes Podcast. Uh, Those places have sticky posts that will point you to our amazingly awesome, super cool place to hang out our Discord server where uh, you can just interact with us on a daily basis and tell us how much you love us. Uh, But another way you can tell us how much you love us is by leaving us a five-star review on the podcast service of your choice. Uh, We'd really appreciate it. We love reading all the kind things you've had to say about us in the past, and we will say some kind words right back to you, the five-star human that you are. And if you really, really like us, you can donate to our Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash heroes. We have all manner of super cool rewards to... uh, give back to you for donating and helping us keep this show afloat um, just check it out uh, you, you, get, you get all kinds of rewards anything from like shiny rolls on our discord server to you know access to bloopers and a whole bunch of cool stuff yeah check it out and if you really 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 love us Sally Fields and the whole deal you want to just gobble us up Thanksgiving's right around the corner, and it's a perfect opportunity to get together with friends, family, fellowship, overeating. Maybe your local sports team doing sports things can be observed. Take the opportunity, whenever possible, during table conversation to bring up the Hapless Heroes podcast. Make sure it's a Thanksgiving no one will ever forget by pounding it into their subconscious. Convert your family. Bring them to us. Yeah, don't talk about politics with your family. Just talk about how awesome our show is. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed to be a whole 5% less contentious than Blake. There you go. <laughs> I would like to outroll our cast, starting to my right. We have Dave playing Zero. Yes, uh, so me and the uh, crew, uh, the Grunman crew of the Oberstar, are going to uh, liberate the hell out of that clearing. We have Francesco playing Tommy. Well, that was a whole bunch of fun. We have John playing Dr. Dedu. Happy Halloween! Ah! We have Mike playing Murph is Locked. It was so chilly and so much fun. And finally, we have Nicole bring Boris. Oh, I billow like an assassin now. This is great. 
and my name is Phil. I was your DM. Ah, 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 ah. Thank you and good night. Bye. Or good oh. morning. Or whatever time of day blah. it is, but like, blah. But, but, blah. Like, but, blah. Bye, but, but bye now. Blah, blah. <laughs>